Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everybody. First of all, I want to um, to say thank you for tuning in. And uh, there's been a bit of a delay getting part two of this podcast out because um, just our personal and professional lives have been hectic the last few weeks. So uh, that's going to happen. Life took over. But um, we just wanted to wait and do this right because the content that the publicans gave us was so good. We felt it needed our proper attention before we put it out to the public. Um, the need for support and sympathy continues with our publicans and uh, hopefully this podcast will uh, just shine a light, uh, a small bit more of a light on uh, the situation that they find themselves in at the moment. So welcome to The Last Call Part 2. In Part 1 we got to know the pubs featured in this miniseries a bit better and got some insight into what made them the pubs they were in March. In this part we aim to look at how these pubs support other industries like the arts, how COVID has affected the people behind the pubs and the pubs themselves, and also what we can look forward to in the future from our six pubs. If you're a new listener to the podcast, welcome. Open up a can and relax. But first, consider listening to part one of this mini-series. If you've had a chance to listen to episode one, feel free to talk into the, the slab of a back catalogue of podcasts we already have. You can follow us on social media at Snugcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash Snugcast. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Slaunch it, guys. culture in Ireland is much more than providing a place for people to have a point. Pubs create social bubbles, outlets for people within all spectra of society. As we saw in part one, the local pub is a community hub 
a place where speech, music and ideas flow at a rate faster than a pint can be pulled. We begin this podcast by showing the unwavering commitment to our favourite public and show the arts, even in times of grave uncertainty for their businesses. Ed Call explains why supporting the arts is vitally important to Tully's in both Carlo and Waterford and how he believes there is a symbiotic relationship between supporting the arts and the success of their pubs. Okay, there's a lot to, a lot to cover there. Yeah. And, and yeah, there's some, there's some interesting developments that I'll, I'll touch on that you'll be delighted to hear about maybe. And so yeah, in terms of supporting the arts, um, a huge, huge part of what I do and what I'm about and kind of I would have definitely picked this up from family. My mother would have been very involved in the Carlo Arts Festival or H as it would have been known with the bar all through the 80s and 90s. Um, we would have run a bar for my uncle um, with a, its own theatre in the basement um, in the, the 90s in Carlo as well. So the arts has always been something I've been interested in. I'm not creative at all. I don't have that artistic flair, but by God, I love it. Uh, I mean, there's nothing I enjoy more than a really good arts festival. Um, I'm on the board of the Carlo Arts Festival. I have been for the last um, four years. Um, so I, I'm passionate about the arts, I really am. And I, I really feel that small Irish businesses have a kind of an onus to support and no, no more so than right now and going forward into whatever kind of landscape we see after COVID, the arts in, in particular, because they're, whatever about the publicans and we're struggling, but the artists and musicians and creators and the people running the theatre and the lighting and the set, like the entire ecosystem for the arts is under such pressure at the moment. Um, and it's what makes us, it's what brings us joy and what makes us all feel that little bit more like, you know, calm and happy. So the arts have a huge role to play within society and we need to do everything we can to support them. But also they have a, such a positive effect on businesses like mine. Like we got behind Spree when we opened up in, in Waterford that first year. Because I, I would have known Spree, I, I would have holidayed in Dummer East as a child and come into Waterford for Spree, August Bank Holiday Weekend, every year. That was the highlight of the summer. Like that just, you had to get in for Spree. Um, and so we knew coming down into Waterford how important Spree was and that we, we said, absolutely anything we can do with Spree, we're going to throw ourselves at it. And that first year, we put a couple of pallets on the road outside, put music on. I think we had 15 or 16 acts across the weekend, paid for all that ourselves. We, you know, we're, we're big believers. You pay all the artists who perform. No one, no one performs for uh, publicity or for... Uh, a couple of likes on social media or any of that, everyone gets paid and that's the only way to do it. It's only right and proper. But we put that on and the response was phenomenal. Like, you know, it became a, a, a venue very quickly. And uh, you went down to Tully's on O'Connell Street for spree, some good music and just good crack. Um, and I think that is, without a doubt, how things are going to go for um, pubs that are going to have to rethink. And publicans are really good at this. We've always been adapting. We've always been changing because that's how society moves forward. And you have to move with it or you're, you're left behind, unfortunately, to a certain extent. But I think definitely outdoor, more cultural activities, whether it's music, performance, whatever it might be, you know, that's what's going to draw people to pubs, back to pubs. And, and it's going to be our, we're going to have a huge part to play in getting that to, to happen. And in terms of the cultural quarter, I'm involved in that. I'm on the steering group with, with the council there. And there are plans around pedestrianisation not 24 hour, 24 seven. I don't, I don't feel that that always is a solution because, you know, th there's very little appeal in any pedestrianized street in Ireland in January on a Tuesday afternoon. You know, that, that, so there needs to be, pedestrianization isn't a panacea. If you're pedestrianizing it, it's because there's something happening. There's a reason for it. So 
And I know there are plans, hopefully, for um, pedestrianisation on O'Connell Street at weekends. And we're certainly working with all the various uh, powers that be to make sure that we have a presence there when, when things come back, that we can have people on the street, we can have a really strong presence that doesn't look tacky or, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll look right, it'll look like Tully's. Um, and it'll hopefully just tie in nicely. It'll just kind of flow from inside to outside and it'll, yeah, it'll work really well. Fingers crossed. Tom Ryan backs up the love of music and the arts in Waterford and my support in music has historically been vital to the character of Phil Grimes' pub. I probably think it's an important thing to point out there's been a great history of music as well in the pub. Like most pubs in Ireland, uh, a lot of pubs have traditional Irish music or they could have you know, a, a, a session or even great cover bands or, um, so like, it's important to mention the people that have helped me and even bef- before my time, um, in the upstairs room there, there's, uh, there's a great history. The, the, actually the history of music seems to come out of the walls up there. Um, so in recent years, there's been incredible people that, that have, uh, are almost like my brothers and sisters in music and that have helped um, the music scene in the pub and we kind of have a rule really we try and just have innovative original music and this, the music scene in the pub especially in the last four or five years um, has been just incredibly strong and uh, people like Patrick Hennessy and uh, and, and Gary and um, uh, Johnny uh, there's been a, a number of people that have helped with the music scene uh, um, along the way so we've had some incredible gigs the last few years don't put on gigs incredibly often as in we don't do a, a weekly gig because it's it's very hard to pull a strong crowd for every gig if you do it too often so we try and do a gig once or twice a month and that's what's worked the last few years. So um, we've had some great gigs up there, some some magical moments and some special moments. So for for a lot of people, they would associate the pub with music, um, and with gigs. You know, there would be a lot of people that would would have played here or come to gigs here and. Th- their idea if you mentioned Phil Grimes pub in Waterford they would the first thing they would think about would be music as many of you will know we have a great love for the Irish language that love is shared by the four provinces as Fergal outlines to us here it's really important for somebody who speaks Irish and even if it's very very basic Irish that they can feel comfortable one of the and and it's also people who have maybe might, might be revisiting the language. We have a lot of dubs there who you know loved Irish in school and couldn't believe actually it's amazing they couldn't believe that you know in a in a working class area that somebody would even think of of opening a bilingual pub and it's not that like we feel like we've 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 kind of invented anything. All we're doing is creating we're trying to make it normal to speak Irish. Do you know what I mean? There's not like even the term Gaelgor in a way carries a kind of a thing you're different to me no, we're not different to anybody we just we're 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 basically a community who 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 give a safe place for people to speak irish and trying to promote the language in a very positive way not in a way that you know you know if you don't speak irish you can't get in or 
you know, it's a place where you can speak Irish to the staff. Like there's literally hundreds of Irish speakers in the area who come in and they mix with the local people. And it, it's, it, it's, I think it's the future. If people want, there's a big kind of a stigma attached with the Irish language, unfortunately, not the fault of the Irish speaker, but that, you know, there's a disconnection. And it's, it's a, obviously a very historical thing. You could go on about it for years, for a long time. But the reality is, unless the language is living, and we do a lot of our business in the brewery to Irish, we're bilingual, like, I mean, every time when we deal with Lidl, when we deal with uh, Super Value, when we deal with our customers, our accountants of pubs, like, I will always say, it's very funny, I put, like, La Mas or uh, La Ja Hill, Fergal, and at the end, a lot of people will write back in Irish. And it's just, there's a huge amount of goodwill towards the language. And loads of people, and it's amazing, it's great timing with Amelda May's tweet there the other day. She's on Radio 1 there today, really interesting. So many people rang in and said, yeah, look, I just didn't get the chance to learn it. I feel really like it was stolen from me. Like I never, I wasn't, you know, supported with it. And there's a lot of things, obviously, there's a lot of excuses as well, but she was right. Like, you know, there's, we should be in school learning English as opposed to in school learning Irish. And, and it's one of the reasons I think as well that, um, that Ireland ranks very, very low in, in Europe in terms of having a bilingual, being bilingual or, or even trilingual, uh, it, which is insane considering we're a brilliant musical nation and we could be really, really good. It's, uh, we could be, we could have, we could be quadrilingual. We could be, you know, uh, I don't even know the, ne the next one up, but you know, <laughs> we, we just, we really are. And I think it's, I think the reason for that is there's a historical reason for the Irish language not being popular in Ireland, but you have to give somewhere, somewhere to speak it. And, and that's what we're doing. Uh, and in, in a very invasive way, I mean, um, people know if they come to the pub that they'll be welcomed very warmly if they uh, order their pint of Skyga. So, um, and even our staff are learners as well. So they'll, they'll regularly, uh, you know, um, you know, try to improve their Irish by speaking. Like it's, and it's a brilliant thing, you know, and it just, it's, it serves the community and it enriches our lives. So, I mean, what could be better, do you know? From pints served up as Gaelga, or in English prior to the pandemic, the pandemic nonetheless hit and on March 15th, many pubs closed their doors for the foreseeable future. These pubs have yet to open their doors through months of sympathy from the public but a lack of support from the government, compounded by a support package this week that will barely scratch the surface for many pubs. Aoife Brennan of the Kilteel Inn, Inn explains what impact the COVID pandem pandemic has had on them. I think when my dad, like my dad's 81 and he's a retired guard and he bought the pub 30, 30 years ago after he retired from the guard. So it was always kind of a long held ambition of his to be a businessman and own his own business. So he and my mom poured everything into the pub um, over the last 30 years. So for him, and my mom passed away two years ago, but for him, um, his sadness is, will I ever open the doors again? And for it's, it's almost a hobby for him because he goes and he pulls a few pints and he has a chat with the lads and he comes home again. He's a beekeeper as well. So for him, it's kind of a, he's, he's in good form, but he's pretty down about not reopening. He spent a lot of money. He got some local builders in and they renovated the bar. I just called in to see it the other day and it blew my mind. It's absolutely gorgeous. He took out the pool tables. He built a whole new lounge with an open fire in it. He, um, the builder divide got some old wood that was upstairs. They're old confession boxes. So it's actually really cool and broke them up and made, uh, made partitions in the snug. So it's like a proper date night snug, they call it up there. Um, Dad said, it's a, good, it's a good pub to bring your mistress to because no one will see you in the snug. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh God, okay, we won't get into that. 
but for him he's kind of worried that he never opened the door again for the locals i mean they're struggling with not having their social hub um on saint patrick's day my dad was emptying the lines and doing a few jobs after they decided to close up um on the 15th and him and his two staff members came up with the idea they're going to deliver a St. Patrick's Day drink to all their locals. So the two two women got broke all the Pringles cans open and used the lids to put on top of the pints and they brought them around to all the local people. And then one particular, I love him, I, I, he was always my favourite, um, I won't name him, but he, when he saw the two women getting out of the car with his pint of Coors Light and coming up the drive, he burst into tears. Because for him, he's a bachelor, he lives on his own. He, his brother passed away, recently his twin brother. And so he comes down to the pub every night for a chat. And I, when I worked there myself, I could I'd say at 10 o'clock he's coming in the door. And if he didn't come in, people would be ringing to check on him to make sure he was all right. So, you know, there's, it's that kind of a thing. So for the locals, it's that, it's the money that my dad has poured into because into the pub um, at this stage of his life, getting all the work done, paying the builders in the hope that he would be reopened. And now he's these bills to pay and no income. And then for his staff, he's worried that he has these three great women working for him and they're all local, but he feels like where they're going to get jobs somewhere else and they're going to have to get jobs somewhere else because they, you know, if the COVID payment ends and that kind of thing. So he's worried about losing his well-trusted and loyal staff and his customers. And for himself, he's worried he'll, he's locked the doors permanently. Um, so it's kind of sad in that regard. He's worked his whole life. All he wants to do is leave something for his kids and grandkids. And that is what most publicans want to do. It's mostly a family business for people. So that's kind of the effect. If it then proceeds to reveal the impact this has had on our father. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, he loves it. He loves the crack. And my, that's my mom, when my mom was there as well, they just loved the crack and they had the best crack. They were playing pranks and people and it was just always fun it was always a fun place to be and to go so he he misses it and he misses his friends there he, he doesn't even call them his customers they're his friends so you know that's kind of hard on him but he's I, when he was showing me around to see the work that had been done you can just see the pride in him uh, the pride he has when he bought that pub 30 years ago we were horrified i was i'm I was a teenager, I think I'm age, date myself now. But uh, we were horrified when we saw it because it was awful. It was filthy, it was rat infested, it was full of criminals. And him being a retired guard arrived up going, you can all head off now. And he cleaned it up and he did a fantastic job. He pulled all the black um, boarding off the walls and found all this lovely red brick behind it. And he's just so proud of it. And for him to not even have a date as to when to reopen his heart. And, like I said, he's 81. He's, he's always going on about he's going to die soon. He's hardy for an 81-year-old. But it is hard on them. And it's hard. My uncle is a publican in Valley Mount. He owns um, the Star Inn in Valley Mount. And he hasn't reopened either. He has a kitchen. He could do food. But again, passing trade. People aren't going out. People are nervous about going out as well. So, yeah, it's kind of it's tough on people. Mike McGrath tells us how COVID has impacted Mother Max in Limerick. So I hate the term wet pubs. It drives me. It drives me a little over the edge, right? Um, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to have a go, but the, this is a term that has created. We're in, we're now a subcategory within the Irish pub. You know, we we are seven day licensed publicans, right? And and in fact, the wet pub is probably the traditional Irish pub. You know, we are the pubs. You know, and and when we when we consider it. You know, some of the other guys that went into food turned into gastropubs. I've nothing wrong with it, right? That's 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 their thing, you know. But the the the, the now the, the new, as we're so called, wet pubs, 
you know, are, are, are left kind of sitting idle, right? And, you know, the, the, the announcements, look, they're not great, right? Let's be, let's be, let's be straight. We, we all would have, would have moved and worked um, in, in as much as we could to prepare to open. Um, and I suppose what's important to say is that we had no guidance, we had no guidelines. We kind of had an idea of where it was going. We didn't fully know. Um, so everyone kind of moved as best as best they could, waiting to be told. I mean, I'm on record as saying I'm, I'm exceptionally dis disappointed with, with how this has been handled by the government. Um, I think we've been treated in the most disrespectful manner. Um, no other industry, um, no other sector of industry has been treated the way, the way we have been. Um, to, to basically bring us to the 11th hour to say, no, we're not opening. At a stage when premises had, had bought in stock, had contacted staff, you know, had done rosters, the amount, of, the amount of work and effort that was going on in the background in terms of procedures, you know, in, sort of, in terms of training, you know, and just to be, to be, to be halted um, without, a, without a buyer leave, I think it's, it's highly disrespectful. Um, and, and I don't, I think, I think the government have done themselves a thorough disjustice in the way they've handled it. Um, now that's me, that's my rant gone. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think in terms of wet pubs, I think we're all we're all feeling a bit we're all feeling a bit left behind. Um, we're 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 all feeling the pinch. I think as of as of this morning, I think I read like there's eleven pubs in in, in Dublin confirmed to be closed. Um, now, it's harder to say around the country what how many more pubs are because how many pubs will close because a lot of these pubs right will be family run pubs, um, who may only open a couple of evenings a week anyway, or open for the parties, open for the community events. Um, and I'm sure that they'll want to continue that, but it may not be financially viable because right now we're receiving no support for the business. You know, personally, we're, we're receiving the, 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 either the, the, the PUP that we're getting or, or else it's what's transferred into the EWSS, um, which is the, 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 the payment support. But, you know, the business is not getting any support. So we have, we have costs that are ongoing every day. How do, and how do we... How do we pay it? It's coming out of all our pockets at the moment, and it's 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 quite disheartening, to be honest. You know, quite troubling. Marie Mellet expands on this impact, not just on the pub, but on the Mellet family. Um, as a family, it's taken its toll on us because I run the pub with my dad, and like he's sixty nine, so he's kind of uh, he will never retire, but he's going in that direction. Um, I'm thirty five, so I'm kind of at the beginning of my career, and. It's just, it's a funny balance between the two of us. It's funny between the sixth and seventh generation and we have different views on things, but both of us, we do want to see the pub open again. And look, we're trying our best and we're trying to stay positive, but it's really, really difficult. Um, even just the manner in which it was done last week, it was such short notice, no more than back in July as well. It's just really hard to take. And the whole thing is played out in the media and you're just watching, like you're watching Twitter to find out about your future. And that's really, really hard to take. Like, I wish that there was somebody who could tell all the publicans in Ireland their future before it goes into the national media the next day. But now, I mean, even Leo Vradker said it last week before the official announcement was made. Like, that was really hard to take. And he's like drip feeding bits of information to you. And you're still like, God, I wonder, is that true? I wonder, is it not? And then when you hear it, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's devastating, really, to be honest. Marie shows us why they haven't served food yet and why they aren't likely to either. Yeah, look, I suppose you don't want to 
kind of talk down about your colleagues where you know we're all publicans and everyone's trying to make money i don't blame any of the pubs for doing it i just personally wouldn't because if if we serve food i want to do it on my terms like i want it to be food that people would enjoy and say yeah marie that's a really good meal i don't want to bring in a pizza from a local chipper that i can't swear that it was cooked correctly or anything like that i just wouldn't be able to do it um i mean most pubs they are trying their best and the guards from what I hear, have been quite good doing inspections, but I would like to see them do more because there are some rogue publicans out there and they're not in any particular county. They're in every town in every county in Ireland. There's one or two bad guys and they need to be called out on it because they're slowing the whole process down. You know, and how will they feel if there was an outbreak of COVID on their premises? That's my my biggest fear, you know, and that's what would stop me from kind of opening until NEF would say that it is safe to do so. And there has been an awful lot of talk in recent days about pubs just saying, do you know what, we're going to open regardless. Um, I wouldn't condone that. And I think that it could be very damaging to your business model in the end. You know, we just have to, what we have to do is to take it, but we need support because... I just I would worry if we if we don't get a little bit of support from government, we may not be here, you know, and it's just it's awful sad to think about and worrying. Tom Ryan of Phil Grimes explains how COVID has impacted on them. Um, maybe not as much with this, uh, with the announcement for the 10th of August as previous announcements, because I've become uh, with the uncertainty, I've come to live with the only thing certain is the uncertainty so I've come to terms with that so my anxiety level is kind of at a ease perhaps uh, only recently on that um, financially I suppose the value of the pub as a, as a business or the building um, the equity everything is, 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 is obviously gone down massively and all of that the financial side of things is very worrying uh, but to just get back and to try and make a living from it and back to basics um, would be all I would hope for at the moment um, and I do feel a little bit bitter that some businesses are open there in the hospitality sector and I feel personally for my business here there's nothing that I cannot do that has been done in other premises um, following you know the guidelines with social distancing and um, I cannot say that about every pub in Ireland or every business in Ireland um, but I'm, it does make me a little bit bitter um, and I suppose like like you said to me yourself last week you know if you were let do it you would do it right because the I suppose the, the the reputation of your business depends on it um, yeah I think it's important that if there was an outbreak uh, and if it was traced back to the pub here, either from myself or family or staff or or from customer base, that it would be to, it would be, you know, I think uh, integral to be able to look at yourself in the mirror to say, look, well, we've done everything right here as best we can, and um, and I I think you try and and uh, run a business there you know which within the, the laws and within uh, and I think that sets a standard for the clientele that comes in perhaps and you it's kind of respected maybe not on individual night when you tell people look it's closing time now lads come on but in the long term it's respected and we have 
it's it's been it's it's been the way that I've run the business. Uh, other people maybe bend rules at times, and but I think maybe there's not enough reward for trying to do something with integrity, perhaps at yeah. We find out more from Ed about how COVID has affected Tully's from the perspective of a publican with one pub open and one pub closed. Um, it, it, look, it, it's a really tricky one and I'm no, um, I'm no expert. I mean, I spend most of my time behind the bar pulling pints. I don't, I don't spend a huge amount of time big picturing and, and, and that kind of stuff or looking too much into the future. I take it day by day and I worry about my, what's happening inside my front door and I don't really worry what, what's going on outside. But I can certainly see changes in, in consumer habits and in customers and there's a whole load of factors there there's obviously people have legitimate concerns around their own health and safety in indoor premises of any kind and so there's going to be a cohort of people that just won't be coming back to pubs and restaurants and lots of other um, things for the foreseeable and that's totally understandable no matter how much precaution we take there's risk with everything in life and so some people are just not going to darken our door and I get that but the entire change of what the what the running of a food business as a pub or a pub as a food business, it has certainly changed the dynamic of what a night out or what a what a kind of the experience for the customer is. And I'm I can see that certain customers aren't enamoured with it at all. And you know they might come once, but they're not coming back. And um, and that has a knock on effect because you know there is a habit of going out, and if you get out of the habit of going out, you find other things to do, and maybe that's a more grown-up society that we will become, but it, it certainly isn't great for the publican. Um, it, it'll be, again, a new challenge and we'll have to adapt to it. We'll have to find new ways of, of bringing people to our door. Um, so I, I kind of, I look at Carlo and we saw a great couple of weeks in the initial kind of reopening where there was great support and people were just happy to be out and, and kind of able to do something akin to normal. But it's certainly slackening off. Now, it's in a period in the year when we'd be quiet normally anyway you know and, and there's obviously a real push this year to travel and get around Ireland whatever else and Barlow unfortunately hasn't got the strongest tourism offering it is a brilliant county and there's so much to do and see here but we, we kind of we, we tend to be lost in the wild Atlantic way Waterford's Greenway there's lots of really strong really well marketed tourism offers around the country and, and Carlo just has to continue chipping away at it we're kind of a hidden gem and that is our that is our USP, and those of those who know Carlo know it's a it's a wonderful county. But that's a that's a piece we need to work on definitely. But in terms of how I feel about the way things were handled from the various kind of announcements in terms of the reopening, the tenth of August one, I I don't feel quite so enraged by as the the move around the twentieth of July and the the last minute nature and the kind of offhand way that was dealt with. I mean legitimately operate publicans across the country genuinely believe because they were told 20th of July reopening of wet bars people rehired staff of unemployment payments people ordered stock people invested in huge amounts of infrastructure and PPE and sanitizer and all these different things with the expect expectation that they'd be open there'd be cash flow and they'd be able to pay these bills and to be told with how many working days a day and a half of working days in a weekend that actually no it's not going to happen it, it felt massively disrespectful to the industry i mean it's not right to do that to any industry it's not about oh the poor public in here it's like whatever industry is given that kind of short notice and in fact 
you're not going to open when you expected to. And that was really disheartening. And it really did feel like we were an afterthought um, and that the employees and like people kind of need to think, I know that the image of the public is, is not always the best, that's fair enough. Uh, and we don't always do ourselves favors in that regard, but like we employ people who pay mortgages, have rent to pay, are raising kids, you know, and we're not, most of us, jetting around the Bahamas or whatever else, we're, we're working and we're trying our best. Um, and that, that seems to be kind of lost a little bit, I think. And that's, that, that was really disheartening and, and it felt just, yeah, it, it hurts to be frank. Uh, whereas with the second kind of uh, moving of the dates from the 10th of August and push back there, I think we were a, a lot more skeptical, uh, maybe less naive. So it didn't come as quite a shock. I mean, it still, it still raises all the issues that were there when the first uh, date move was, was made. But I suppose we, we were already burned, so it's hard to burn us worse uh, in the second time. Um, but it, it still hurts, and it's still going to be a real struggle for so many publicans to be able to pick it up again and, and try and reopen. Um, and it'll be hard to know, particularly as the kind of tour season winds down in September, will it be the right move for some publicans to open? You know? And we hear Fergal from four provinces' experiences of COVID so far, contrasting the brewery and the pub. Okay, well, so for the pub, um, uh, obviously a separate business to the brewery, but the pub obviously closed on, in March. Uh, and at that time, I'm sure like yourself, we were probably saying, ah, oh, Jesus, it'll be a month and we open again, you know, the type of thing. Anyway, thank God things went. We, we release and our landlord was very, very good to us and didn't charge us rent during the period. Um, smartly so, I think, anyway. I think it's ridiculous people trying to look for rents during this period. I know, especially when there's more mortgage breaks, breaks available and stuff. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's been a great opportunity for us to reevaluate uh, what we did right and what we did wrong in the business. Um, we had two really, really good staff that we, unfortunately, now, when we reopen, won't be there. Um, brilliant guys who taught us a lot. Uh, and unfortunately, um, you know, uh, hopefully we can take them back in the future uh, once things improve a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah, obviously a very good chance to do up our lounge as well, which is um, and, and our fix our roof, which uh, had been seriously problematic. We've now opened up the area. Hopefully, in two to three weeks, when we re- four weeks when we reopen, um, we'll have space for a lot more people and, and those people to enter the pub safely. Um, because the bar was doing the majority of the business uh, for the last year. Now, bear in mind, we're only open a year, but we did have good good trade on a Saturday and a Sunday, a Friday, Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, midweek was the challenging thing. I think it's, it's, it's the same for a lot of pubs. Um, but, yeah, we looked at the lounge in making it more inviting and bringing, you know, some elderly, we might be able to get some of the local elderly people in that they feel safe, you know, and if it's done right, uh, that we can bring them in even for the next year because by the time the vaccine probably comes around and hits and stuff like that, you're probably talking a year anyway, uh, that they will be able to come in and enjoy it because really, like, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a big problem coming down the line in terms of mental health for the very reasons the pubs are closed. I know it's a, probably a bit of a, um, I suppose, pub, like alcohol can cause mental health problems, but at the same time, the pub is probably the area, very, very important to, to people's mental health and social, the social element of their lives. And them being closed has been very difficult on, on some people. And that might sound, you know, crazy to some, some people. And, but really for the majority of the country who enjoy a drink responsibly, 
Uh, I think uh, the pubs being back open will be a very welcome thing in a safe way. There'll be no so- clusters associated in Ireland with pubs. Uh, I think the people who've opened have been doing it very, very well. And, um, and, I, and I really feel that, you know, uh, in a controlled environment uh, like the pub, and if it's done right, that there's, there's very, very low risk of contracting or spreading uh, COVID-19 in, in the pub. Um, obviously, alcohol complicates things, but in my opinion, uh, a, a local bar, like a suburban pub, is, is, and a country pub, they're definitely, they're definitely manageable. And I think we're being made a scapegoat. But at the same time, we can totally understand as well people, you know, people's opinions on it. They're scared. I mean, people are scared. So if you scare people, you're going to get people negative to something. So um, my point is, look, when we open and when the majority of publicans open their bars, they're not, they're doing it to protect you too. They're not going to let you do anything silly and foolish. They're going to play by the rules and help you and make sure everything's clean and the, the, the chances of you contracting COVID-19 is the same as you walk into a shop. So look, that's the way I see it. And it's been a great chance to learn for me as well. Uh, you know, looking back on the year, how we, we can improve. We looked at every element of the business. We chopped it down. We made huge we made huge decisions in terms of how we're going to run it going forward. So look, it's, it's all good. Um, I think it's been a positive thing for us, um, but I'm sure a lot of pubs won't see it that way. But uh, given the fact that um, we were able to stay open via the, the, the brewery, um, you know, I'm just blessed, you know, but at the same time, I can totally understand like other publicans absolutely pulling their hair out at this stage. Um, but we'll, we'll be open in a month and we're really, really going for it. I think a lot of, a lot of people around the area are looking forward to us to open as well. Having heard how COVID have, has affected the pubs, we finally asked the pubs, how can people support them going forward? As Fergal excellently explains how he sees life after COVID developing in the four provinces bar. Well, they can, they can go online or they can order our beers if they'd like to. Uh, we do uh, online orders um, via the pub. Um, we have an off-license. Uh, so, I mean, you can, you can just go on our Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. You'll see our beers that are available at the moment. Uh, they can support us by buying or they can just support us by, by, by you know, like the way they have. I mean, they've been sending us messages of support. You know, the, the, the real crumbling thing is, like, when you're bleeding open, you know, they'll be shouting at you and uh, driving down the road. They know my van at this stage. They're all shouting at me. I can hear them. Um, you know, it's great. It's a great feeling. They're, they're great people uh, and a really good community, really strong people, like, you know, and they're, 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 uh, it's an area that, that, you know, obviously down before has suffered a little bit from, from criminality, etc. You know, it was probably a little bit of a bad, but I'm, I'm telling you, like 90, like the people who live there are the best in the world and the hardest workers, you know, smartest people you'll ever meet. And uh, we're just lucky to have, to have the opportunity to serve them. And I'm sure when we do open again, we'll be able to repay them, hopefully. Uh, we were meant to be sponsoring the Crumlin Senior Hurling team this year. That didn't happen, obviously. We were closed. Um, but look, we're, we're we're looking forward to it, and and when we reopen, we'll be reopened with a bang. Loads of great musicians in the area. Uh, Paddy Casey lives down the road. We've had a load of people in. We've had, we've had you know, Mary Black in, Francis Black in, all the brothers, uh, Roshino, a lot of people in singing in the pub and playing, and it's got a great name for music as well. So look, we're really really blessed um, uh, in that respect, and we'll we'll be pushing on uh, that the, the music. Uh, when when we reopen as well, um, which is vital, I think, in in a pub. I think 
one of the things people are, are losing sight of here is, you know, around the world we're known for our pubs. And that, that's why a lot of people, and their music and their language, you know, that's why people are there. You just, oh, we're doing the servant up for them. Um, and we're trying our best to, 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 to facilitate the people who want to, you know, celebrate that in their lives. So that's it, look, you know. There's not really a big secret to it, but uh, we don't think we're any different than anybody else. But uh, with, uh, I think the Irish language has to be central in conversations. They need, people need to see it, need to hear it in conversation, not in school. And they'll do that in the pub. We're only just one. I think there should be, there could be a great opportunity for hundreds of pubs in Dublin to do the same thing. Yeah, there's thousands of people out there who speak Irish, like thousands of young people who leave school every year, who go into the bar trade, who speak brilliant Irish and love the chance to talk to their customers. And there's customers who want to talk to them. So why, why don't we just start something here? Like we just try to do, we're not trailblazers. We're really trying to have your local suburban pub being positive towards the Irish language. It's not a big thing. You know, uh, I, think, I think the more people who try what we're doing, we'll see that they'll reap the benefits in terms of, obviously, you get customers in, but also the, the pub will be, will be a better place, you know. Tom goes on to explain how he hopes his consistency will retain a loyal customer base when he can eventually open. Sure. Um, I suppose there's other places, you know, not just in the pub trade. There's, you know, there's the vast majority of pubs do, um, run their, their pubs um, to a high standard of and, and set within the laws and rules and... Um, you know, this this pubs then that maybe sell inferior products or God knows what do whatever with bottles of spirits or there's perhaps businesses that that cut corners and that sort of thing. But it it hasn't been it been what I I, I have done and uh, I I hope that there's a reward maybe for trying to be um, um, trying to do things by the book perhaps. But if you're consistent, maybe in life and fair and. That's something that even if to yourself that you can you'll always have to stand by. Eva from the Kilteal Inn explains the support they've had so far and what the future looks like for them. Um, well, and they are actually they've been great since the, since my post went viral. I forget that real people follow me on Twitter, but people have been ringing them and saying they saw his post. And I do his Facebook page as well. It's Brennan's Kilteal Inn. We'll give it a shout. So I was putting up pictures of the inside of the pub and talking about it. So he's had a couple of dozen phone calls and, and messages asking how he is and looking forward to seeing him again. So that in itself is really supportive. Um, somebody asked me about a crowdfunder. I think, it, I mean, I know my dad, my uncle and different people in the pub industry. They're very proud and they won't accept help. But what they do hope is that when they can reopen and they only want to reopen when it's safe because you know they don't want to get sick they don't want their customers or staff to get sick is that people come out and support them again um and you know and, and and i guess be patient and be kind i think a lot of retailers are finding people are frustrated and you know tempers are short and that kind of thing but it's to be patient with you know the new setup and the new arrangements they're going to have to queue up at the door and be seated and stay at their seat and that kind of thing and that's going to be very weird for them not to be able to wander around the pub and have the chats so it's just look for support see if you can support your local trader in any way and any retailer and any crafter and anyone else local theatres I lost my job in a local theatre in Nace recently and you know buy vouchers for places like if somewhere serves food and you can buy a voucher from them vouchers last five years now so you can do that as well 
so you know there there are ways to support them just fiscally and and morally as well so whatever you can do send your send your public in a text message and tell them you're looking forward to seeing them again <laughs> they love that it explains how the season that COVID has hit has hurt them and how Tully's Bar can be supported. Absolutely. I mean, like the, the, the tourist season in Waterford with Spree and um, the Summer in the City Festival, Waterford Walls Festival. I mean, that period from kind of June to the first, second week in September when Harvest Festival kind of wraps up the festival season. That, that's where we pay our bills. That's how we get through a quiet October and November a really quiet January, February and March to Paddy's Day. You know, that, that's what gets the business through the year. And you, you take that out, uh, it makes the numbers very difficult for most publicans to reopen and, and pay insurance, pay light and heat, you know, and those bills will come within the month, you know. It, it's not easy without a lift. Well, I have to say, um, in terms of in Waterford, we're, we're online, we're selling growlers and uh, takeaway cocktails on uh, tullysbar.ie and the support has been phenomenal. So I, I couldn't ask people to do much more at the moment in that regard. Just keep buying our growlers. All our beer is obviously coming from small independent brewers as well. So the knock-on is you're allowing us to buy stock and support other small businesses locally and, and within Ireland. So... The, the knock-on, it's a, it's a doubly positive thing to do um, and you end up with good beer too, so it's, it's a real winner for everyone. But to be honest, we've been blown away by that. That was, a, that was something that we were, to be, we were just looking for something to do. It was more to be active and kind of just remind people that, look, you know, we might be closed, but we're not gone. And we'll, we'll, we will be back. And in the meantime, it allowed us to do something. And it was really important for us to be doing something because at that stage in May, We'd been closed since March. I hadn't, I didn't know what day of the week it was. I didn't know where I was coming and going. And turning around and saying, okay, we're going to open a website, do the online thing. There were forms to fill in. There were research to do. There was quotes to get. It felt like you were back in business and I was getting up and I was in the home office and I was doing work. It was brilliant. Um, and my girlfriend, I remember she commented like, oh, Jesus, yeah, you're back now because like, you were awful to deal with for a couple of weeks there. You know, it really did change the whole mood. Um, and then it turned out that people actually were interested in the product and we were supported with it. And it was just, it's been great. It really has. And like, uh, it's been lovely to see customers, regulars come up to the door. We can't bring them in, but we can say hello to them. And, you know, you can have the chat through the doorway and then they get the bottles and on they go and we see them next week. That's brilliant. It really is. And then we, we took the, the model to Carlo. And even though we're reopened now in Carlo, we're continuing to do the takeaway growlers and the takeaway cocktails. And it goes back to what I'm talking about, that adaption, that kind of, always growing, always changing. That's a whole new part of our business now that we didn't have before. Um, and it, it, it'll be a piece that we'll keep going forward, like, you know, to use that awful phrase. We'll be there with it for as long as we can make it work. It, it's brilliant. Um, and it adds a whole new piece to what we can do. So, it, yeah, in terms of supporting us, there you go. Gra grab a growler this weekend. Mother Max also have growlers available and Mike discusses their approach to keeping cash flowing in and beer flowing out. And we see how this has impacted the Mother Max regulars community. You can always put money through the letterbox. <laughs> We're not that proud. Just just pop it in. You know, if you want to write a note, write a note, you know. <laughs> you know, want to put in a card, we're okay with that. Uh, no, I'm 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 joking. So we I suppose back the fourth of fourth of June, um, when we, we, we kind of saw the writing on the wall a little bit on the 4th of June, and we were been asked by, by a lot of our, lot of our good customers um, 
who couldn't get access to good beer. And they were asking us, is there anything that we can do? Um, and they, they, they put, I suppose they put the challenge up just to see what, what could be done. Um, so we, we started a growler service. Um, we're selling one, one litre growlers, one litre swing top glass bottles. Um, and then we have, we have four, four craft or four artisan beers um, on draft uh, at any one time. Um, and you, you literally order online. It's, it's mothermax.ie, purchase it um, and collect it. And that's running Thursday, Thursday to Saturday. Um, it's been it's been really really interesting, right? It's been a great service. Um, I mean, we're we're loving it, right? We have we've nearly two hundred and ninety growlers out in the, the Limerick beer community, which is it's, it's it's colossal. We never I wouldn't have thought, you know, I wouldn't have thought that we'd have got that out, right? Um, we 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 bought, I think originally we bought one hundred and seventy growlers, thinking we're going to have loads left over. We're mad. Um, a week and a half later, we, we were ringing our supplier going, like, how many more can you get to now? Like, can we drive somewhere and collect them today? Or, or do we need to, to get them shipped down? Or where are they coming from? So it was, it was look, it was a baptism of fire for us. Um, it, it helped us, I think it helped realize that, that we're not renowned for, for craft beer in the city. Um, but there are an awful lot of people out there who either, number one, love us, or number two, love craft beer, or probably number three, love, love both. Um, and, you know, and they've been, people have been hugely supportive. And in every growler that they buy, it doesn't, it not just helps us, but it helps the, the brewer and the brewery and their family as well. So it's, it's, it's a lovely, it's a lovely story. Like, and I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And we're not, we're not the only ones doing it. I, I mean, it's, it's quite interesting because we, we spoke a little while earlier, you, you named some of the pubs. We've been speaking to bars about growlers for the last couple of, last couple of months. You know, and, and, and we've been thrown back experiences together trying to figure out how, how, how you're doing it, how you're not doing it, what, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and, and it's fantastic, right? It's actually brought, it's probably brought about a group of, a group of maybe eight or nine pubs together in a, in a way that's highly unusual, you know? Um, and you're looking at, the, like, Dave down the beer house in Cork, right? The guys, the guys in Tully's, you, you mentioned them, we were, we were chatting with them, right? There was, there was two bars up around Sligo that we, we were having a conversation with Brennan's and, and, and Dingle. You know, it, it, it's nuts how it's as simple as just to reach out. And, and most people are, are quite happy to say, yeah, come on, let's have a chat. We can't have a cup of coffee anymore because we can't just, I can't jump in the car and drive down, but we can, we can do it like this over Zoom or just literally by email or, or, or text or whatever medium we, we decide to do. But it, it's great. And, it, and it's only in the beer community, I think, that you could, you could do this as, as, as well as we have, you know. Um, so growlers were something that we had already considered prior to this pandemic. Um, it was, it was, we, we sometimes joke, we have a whiteboard downstairs with, 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 the, with the mad ideas that go up. And normally we don't write it, no, we just draw a picture. And it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of like, what is it? You know, it's, it's, so we, 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 from that picture, we might have 10 other ideas, but growlers was one that was def, definitely, definitely up there. And I suppose in everything that we do, we try and do it as well as we can. Um, and, we just hadn't figured out how we were going to fill those growlers right or to, 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 to a stage that we were happy to fill them and serve them. And I suppose in the, mid, in the midst of the pandemic, you kind of have to figure it out. Yeah. You know? So it was, it was definitely, we, like, my, background, my background is science and engineering. Right? So we, we, we ran a DOE on the, on the, on the system downstairs. You know, time, temperatures, flow rates, diameter of the tube and that we were using porn on it, right? Even the angle we poured the growler, right? We, we went to a whole, we spent a week messing around with this, right? Now, 
I'm going to say right, we were fairly, fairly drunk for most of the week <laughs> when we were doing it, but, but we landed on a on a system that works, you know. Um, will it, it? It doesn't. It doesn't. It pales in comparison to to turnover that we had, what we're what we're taking in right now. But it is certainly appreciated, and it covers the, the standing costs and the fixed costs that we have. So what it means is that we don't actually have to dig in to the reserves that we had built up. We don't actually have to dig too deeply into our own pockets um, to, to keep it going. It means that we're supporting other breweries. But, but the, key, the key element to this, right, and, and something that we, we, we sometimes understate, because of social distancing, on, on our website, we built in a little time slot that people call up and, and we have a little hatch on the side and they call up to collect their beer, right? And while we're waiting for the beer, we always have a little bit of a chat, right? So you now have three to five minutes with customers who you would have said I, I know quite a lot about. It turns out we didn't, right? We, we, we've gotten to know our customers a hell of a lot better by having that, that chat for three to five minutes, once, twice, maybe three times a week, right? And I mean, the relationships that we've built are just absolutely second to none, right? And never mind, I suppose, selling beer in the future. We've now actually helped develop a fantastic relationship based with, with, with friends, beer in the beer community, customers, you know, and, and it, it, it's, it's absolutely, as a positive from this, this has been probably the single biggest positive that we can, we can take away from it, you know, and it's, it's those personal inter, interconnections and relationships that we have. Marie Mallet has some strong messages as well as showing her commitment to the community of Stonyford. At this moment in time, God, maybe give me a text or a call because I miss everyone so much. Um, miss the busy nights, but I really, really miss like a Monday evening at work because there could be between 10 and 20 guys here and it's all the crack and you do a few bets on the horses and you come into work and they say, oh, Marie, you look like shit today. And then you throw an insult back at them and it's just all good crack. So I really, I really, really miss our regular customers and I just can't wait to see them again. And I know I've seen a few of them around town and they're in the pubs that are open and that's great. I'm delighted that they have somewhere to go, but maybe just don't forget us and I can't wait to see you again. <laughs> As we start to finish up with our pubs, we start to look for a bit of positivity. Few have the perspective that Ed Cal has on the current situation. Well, I mean, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully, is, a, is an effective vaccine. That'd be great. Uh, and if we could have it for, you know, the end of September, before the Christmas season, even, that'd be brilliant. Um, I suppose, in positivity, look, uh, there, will be, there will be new ideas, there will be growth, there will be changes. Publicans, as I say, are very resilient. We will find ways of bringing the customer back, making the customer feel comfortable and happy, uh, making the bars buzz again. You know, there are brilliant operators out there. There are brilliant bars. They are, were brilliant before this. They'll be brilliant when things are back to some kind of normality, whatever it is. That won't change, you know. I mean, I do rem remember the first or the second Saturday night in Carlo after we reopened and we're down from a capacity of maybe 320 or 330 to 90. So that's how we're like that. That's the kind of level we're at, and I remember thinking, God, this is going to feel like walking into like a library. You know, no live music, no nothing. It's just going to be people quietly sitting, having their bit of food and a couple of pints. And I, I came in off my break or something and went into the bar, and the buzz was there, the atmosphere was there, and that that's intrinsic to the building, that's intrinsic to the to the fabric of an Irish bar, and that's not going anywhere. And, and so that's the positivity is that it will be it will be back. It'll just take a lot of work, and we'll need a lot of support. You know that's out there too so hopefully it'll all come together 
Mike gives us a great insight into the no-nonsense, straightforward chatter around the high stools of Mother Max when summarising the situation. But he does see a light at the end of the tunnel nonetheless. Yeah. I, and I think, I think look, we, we, we're, 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 it's, it's doom and gloom at the moment, right? I mean, we're, 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 we're looking down, I suppose, a timeline that, that is very... We don't know where it's going, right? We, we, don't know, we don't know what's happening. Since the last announcement, we've actually been left with, with, no, with no glimmer of hope because prior to that, we were talking about dates when we're going to open. Now we're just talking about the date that we're going to review. You know, now we're talking about whether we're going to be open and all this year. You know, and it's 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 quite sad when 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 the doors just remain fully closed. You know, at least before that they were a little bit of a jar and it was a little bit of light coming through and you, you had a little bit of hope, right? And it, it's 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 sad on it's sad for us, you know, and we, we get quite disheartened by it, but also for our for our customers, they get quite disheartened as well, right? Because we have very, very good friends and customers who come in and they may only buy a drink and sit down for two hours and it's it's the the, the chat. It's the company, it's the, the messing that goes on at the counter, you know, it's those interactions. And, you know, it, it, they're the ones that I'm really, really worried about at the moment because, you know, we talk about mental health. Um, like, who's looking after their mental health? You know, and, and, and we've, we've dropped the ball on, on a huge section of society um, that are out there, you know, and, and it's, it's really quite sad because, I mean, the pub is the focal point for, for an awful lot of people um, and in an awful lot of communities, right? And We finish in the Kiltiel Inn with a lovely sense of community summed up by Aoife. Um, I think, you know, my dad's so excited to open up the place again and the customers are dying to get in. And so that kind of is the most positive thing to come out of it. Um, and the locals, went, you know, the locals up there have been fantastic. In the snow, they kept an eye on the place. When my dad couldn't get there, they've been keeping an eye on the place in him because he doesn't live in Kiltiel. Um, and, you know, they've been giving him the general dig out and local builders and all the rest of it coming in to help him out. So that's been the best thing about it. It's the community and people looking out for him and him looking out for others. So I think that's the best thing about the place and about the pub, this community. Marie's passion and determination to stay positive shines true on our final message which was to the fore as she led from the front on the hashtag support not sympathy campaign. Yeah, I do think that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I've no doubt about it. Publicans in general are very, very tough. Um, I think that a lot of us can survive this, but we have to stay positive and get support. Um, if we get those two things right, we can survive it and we will open. We don't know when that is, but we can open and we will have days of a man walking in, ordering a pint at the counter and having the crack with him again. And that's what we all look forward to really at the end of the day. To finish up this podcast and mini-series, we play a less edited chat between Tom and DJ. A chat that left us longing for the support for publicans like Tom and everyone else we've spoken to, to get the support they deserve. It ends on an incredibly positive note, an exchange that shows why we should support these people, because it does matter to them. As beer consumers, we do make a difference. Look, lads, thanks for tuning in and enjoy the last minute or two of the podcast. And I suppose just to finish up, Tom, thanks yes. for being so generous with your time. Yeah. Uh, how can people support you um, at the moment? Oh, th well, thanks for asking that. Well, uh, the previous, um, for the last three weeks, the previous set of, um, of phases there, uh, four weeks ago when the announcement there, um, previous to the 10th of August announcement, um, I had 
bought in stock because I got it wrong I really felt that the pubs were going to get the green light so I decided to sell uh, to try and sell a bit of the draft beer um, to, and rather than sending it back again and also to sell um, some hampers so I um, so the um, the hampers I have are I've uh, whiskey hampers, gin hampers, cider hampers, a selection of different ciders. I have a craft beer hamper or a standard beer hamper. Not everyone is into maybe beers with stronger flavors. Um, and of course the growlers there. I'm selling draft beer with a limited choice, three or four draft beers from Wednesday to Saturday, between six and eight. Um, for collection so it's been heartwarming the last few weeks and it's kept the pub alive a bit and the light is back on which is you know is a maybe to end on that but the light is back on and it's, it mightn't be it mightn't be glowing but it's it's flickering and it's on so that's, that's perhaps that's a brilliant message of hope to end on Tom thanks a million and I just um, on behalf of myself I want to thank you for your generosity in donating to our fundraiser for the, the Solace Cancer Support Centre and um, certainly I'm looking forward now to picking up two growlers and going home and enjoying them this evening so Tom thanks so much for your well, time Not at all DJ and Owen thank you very much for your help over the last couple of years and um, it's people like yourselves as well that give a little bit of warmness or, or, and uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a feel-good factor back into the pubs and the positive side of pubs uh, so thank you brilliant thank you and uh, hopefully we'll join you for a pint soon please god mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.